Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Thanks a lot, guys. A big uh, round of applause for everybody that helped us worship this morning. good to be up here this morning. We are going to take a break from our series in Philippians. Um, every once in a while when there's a chapter break, it's good to just throw in a standalone. And uh, what I'm going to do this morning is going to be more of a topical sermon. And let's see if Pastor Matt lets me do that again. Let's start off with, with uh, a prayer. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you because you are the giver of all good things. Lord, uh, just help us to hear your word this morning. Lord, uh, speak truth through me, and Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What I want to speak about this morning is a worldview. What is a worldview? A worldview is simply a philosophy of life or a concept in which you view the world through. Many times, even in the Christian denominations, there are different, kind of different worldviews. Um, so how does a worldview affect us? Well, if your worldview is how you view the world around you, you're, an atheist isn't going to look at creation and stand in awe of the creator. Make sense? So here's the question, though. Are all worldviews equal? Do they both... Do, do those two uh, worldviews hold truth, equal truth value? Can they both be true? One says God exists. The other says God does not exist. So it doesn't matter what anybody believes because simply God either exists or he does not exist. Does that make sense? So we believe that Christianity is the superior worldview. Amen? We believe that it is most in line with the truth we see around us. A Christian worldview could also be called a biblical worldview because our truth comes from what we learn about God and everything around us in God's word. So how can we tell if our own worldview holds truth value? Well, there's actually something called a worldview test. And if your worldview holds any value, truth value whatsoever. It has to answer these four basic questions about life. It has to speak into the origin of life. Where did we come from? It has to talk about the meaning of life. What is the purpose of life? There seems to be a purpose to life, right? Morality. Is there really a standard of right and wrong? And where does it come from? Do we just make up our own? Destiny. What happens when we die? So if you have a worldview this morning, it's a, a life philosophy of how you view everything around you, it has to answer these four basic questions. So how does Christianity fare according to this test? Well, that's why the title of today's sermon is Testing Christianity. You see, I believe that if anything is worth putting your full faith 
in and believing, you should be able to test it and you should be able to defend why you believe what you believe. I remember being a, a baby Christian at the, at the age of like 27 and I, I, I just had gotten saved and, and I started to really just, uh, just search and, and read my Bible and, and read other resources and I stumbled upon some apologetic uh, books and, and it just started to blow my mind when I started to read through all these and compare it with scripture and, 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 and see how they coincide and I was like, wow, there are some really great reasons why we can believe what we believe. It's not just this blind faith that we just, you know, ho-hum, yeah, we'll just attach our faith and, and believe to this system because it seems the best. There's actual great reasons, logically, historically, scientifically, why we can believe that the Bible is absolutely true. Now, while these great reasons might lead people to the gospel to get saved, reason and logic cannot save you. I always want to uh, preface anything when I, when I preach anything about this with that. It is faith in what Jesus did and who Jesus is. It's your faith in those things that saves you. Logic and reason can help you get there, but that is not what saves you. It is the gospel and only the gospel. Now, listen, I'm going to take a shotgun blast really quickly this morning. You don't have to try to remember everything that I say this morning. I want to try to do two things. Number one, I want to pique your interest in seeking the answers to these questions so that you could be better acquainted with some of, the, uh, of these ideas and, and, and cause you to search for these in God's word as well. Number two, I want to strengthen your faith this morning and encourage you. If you believe this this morning, you have great logical reasons why you believe what you believe. So be encouraged this morning. We're going to start out with our main idea uh, this morning, and our main idea is this. Christianity is the superior worldview as it best explains the origin and meaning of life, morals, and where we'll spend eternity. Okay, so there's those four questions that's in our main idea. And I believe this morning wholeheartedly that Christianity is the superior worldview, and there's some really good reasons why. And we're going to look at all four of those this morning. Let's start out with the origin of life. Where did we come from? I mean, think about it. The existence of the physical universe. Christianity says there is a God, a creator, that spoke forth all this into creation with a purpose. The atheistic worldview says, you know what, we're not really sure, but through science... We're going to try to figure out how everything works. Well, what exactly does science say? Because science really says without some kind of all-powerful, all-knowing creator, we have some problems. Here's a few of those problems. There's an immense energy that's origin is completely unknown. Enough power to power an entire universe. Think about that. Enough power to power an entire universe, and nobody knows where it comes from. 
Somehow this matter emerged, which is the, kind of the building blocks of all things. And it emerged, and then all of a sudden, non-living matter evolved into living matter. How did that happen? And then there was this big bang that somehow, when it exploded, it, it kicked off all these things, but it, it gave us order and structure to, to our universe. But as we observe the world around us, we can tell that things are going from order to chaos, not the other way around. Is your body getting younger? Because mine's not. So we don't really find anywhere in, in, in the natural where we're seeing chaos being formed into order. It just doesn't happen. And I'm going to illustrate that a little bit later. Then, are you kidding me? We have the fine-tuned universe. This is one of the things that trips up even the most uh, hefty skeptic of creation. There's actually a, a book written, I can't think of the author's name right now, but it's called The Illusion of Design. Because they, they can't deny that every single thing around us seems completely fine-tuned. You just think about where the, our solar system and, and where the Earth is according to the sun. If it was a little bit closer, we would burn up. If it was a little bit further, we would freeze to death. If there wasn't a giant planet like um, Jupiter that goes around the, the, uh, the orbits of uh, the, kind of the same thing we does, kind of a giant planet blasting things out of our way, otherwise we would look like the moon because we would be getting hit with so many things. You have uh, a planet like Saturn that has rings that actually acts as a vacuum and sucks up things as it goes around. There's so many things I could go on for hours of how they have to explain this this intrinsic design that went into the universe. These are logical and mathematical impossibilities without an all-powerful, all-knowing creator. Now let me talk about the design idea and, and how we have intelligence and we have, uh, we have perfect order that, that, that's going into chaos, not the other way around. We were uh, painting yesterday, and, and I found this old deck of cards. And when you have a Disney family and you have daughters, you end up with Cinderella playing cards. <laughs> okay? So I found these, and they basically were completely out of order because we had played with them, you know, before with the girls. But you know when you open up a brand-new pack of cards, you know how they're all in order, number order, you know, by suit, and then you have, like, those weird cards in the back, like a wild card, jokers, and some other thing trying to sell you something else. So I had to put these all back in order. Reese, could you help me out for a second and just step up here? Okay. Are, are these all in order, you think? They look like they're all back in order? Okay. Does that make sense? All right. Ready? How about now? They are definitely not in order, right? Thank you so much. You may sit down. <laughs> this is what they want us to believe, that chaos creates perfect order. Now, like I said, when I found that deck, it was completely out of order. So something intelligent had to put them back in order. I barely qualified, but... <laughs> Something intelligent had to put them all back in order. When you think about DNA, 
it is mind-blowing how your DNA is actually like a computer code that tells every single cell in your body what to do. It tells different proteins, no, you're a spleen and you're a liver. It's your DNA is specific to you. It's a, like a computer code. And they want us to believe that somehow chaos created all that. And what's even crazier is they want you to believe that this something like this card created itself. With an intelligible, there's a little Cinderella on there. Uh, it's the King of Hearts. Um, has them, her and who is it, Prince Charming, I guess, dancing, okay? These are all intelligible things that can't just come out of disorder. And then they want you to believe that like this and the rest of those, I'll clean those up later, created themselves and then put themselves in perfect order. Absolutely impossible. So suddenly an all-powerful, all-knowing being doesn't seem so crazy, does it? These things could only be caused by such a being. A being. The biblical worldview makes the most sense as we experience the world around us. We're going to look at Genesis 1. There will be a couple of verses up on the screen this morning. So here, the very first verse in the entire Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Seems simple enough, right? But when you really start to dive into that and you're trying to understand creation, you know how people say, well, you know, you can't really use the Bible. The Bible's a Bible and science is science. Well, if you really start to pick these words about uh, apart, in the beginning, in the beginning of what? In the beginning, God created. God created, I heard it, time. Time was actually created. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, but it's a created thing as a mechanism to make God's creation work. Time is when God set creation into motion. Listen, if you're counting something, you have to usually start with one, right? Think about this. At some point, the very first second of time happened. I don't know about you, but to me, that's mind-blowing. The very first second of time happened. And it's actually a material thing that is created. There's some theories that uh, gravity has and light have something to do with it. And the further you get away from the, the Earth's gravitational pull, time actually operates on a different level. We're not going to go into all of that, but that's actually something that they're, they're starting to learn. That's the, the satellite clocks have to be readjusted every so often because they'll start to get out of whack. And they're not quite sure how that happens. But time itself had to be created. Next, it says that God created the heavens. Now, when you see the word heaven or heavens in the Bible, it could be one of three things. It could mean the atmosphere is the heavens. It could mean space where the stars and the planets are. That could be the heavens or heaven itself. Specifically, it's talking about here the universe, that God created the heavens. So God created time first. Second, he created space. Because if you're going to make something, you have to have a space to put it, correct? 
So God actually created time, and he actually created space. The easiest way that I can explain that is that this timeline on the front of this stand, think about this as an actual material thing, okay? This is when God created, and this is when we'll be in heaven, everybody will be in uh, heaven for eternity with God in a new heaven and a new earth, okay? Let's say that's the timeline of God's creation. We're somewhere along on this line somewhere, hopefully way over here because that would be awesome, but we're somewhere on this timeline. God stands outside this and he looks at it all at once as his creation. I know we're getting a little deep this morning, but that's the best way that I can wrap my mind around that this morning, that God dwells outside space and time. It is his creation. Third, it says God created the earth. That is matter, non-living matter and living matter. The fundamental building blocks of matter are these little particles called quarks and leptons. Doesn't matter, but at some point, matter or even its subparticles came into existence. How? How did that happen? Why? Here's where what's more important. Why did that happen? You're darn right. So the Christian worldview perfectly describes what we see in creation. It begs for a creator. It brings us to our first point. Christianity sufficiently explains the origins of time, space, and matter. The origin, where those things came from. It's, it specifically does. Now you might say, wait, Pastor Jared, don't you mean science explain those, explains those things? Well, let me let you in on a little secret. Science is not a foe against God's word. When viewed at correctly through the correct worldview, you can see how it intermingles perfectly. So yes, science helps us to understand uh, how the universe functions around us, but it can't account for where it came from. As they say, not yet, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Something or someone supernatural, that means dwelling outside of the natural, had to cause the natural to happen. Let's look at the second one, meaning, the meaning of life. So what is the meaning of life? It's, it's what's known as one of the, the greatest life questions ever. What is the meaning of life? As I said before, life seems to have a purpose, correct? Correct. I mean, it, it seems to. We all search for something. We all search for meaning and we search for purpose to our lives. Here's what's crazy is that if life had no purpose, we wouldn't seek one. We don't seek things that don't exist. Evolution says it's, life is meaningless, purposeless, and, and basically it's a meaningless, purposeless existence. Creation says an eternal being created you with a purpose for eternity. If there is no God, there is no real purpose or meaning to life. There really isn't. And many skeptics will agree. There, there really isn't a point. We're just kind of floating around on this rock in this you know, black universe. And it's billions of years. We're going to be around for a, a hundred if you're really lucky. Your life is, has zero significance through the evolution, atheistic worldview. 
But God's word says something different. Let's look at Psalm 139, 14 through 16. It says this. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven into the depths of the, in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Here we see that God planned life for you, for all of us individually. Even before he laid the foundations of the earth, God planned for you to have life. That is amazing. Before he laid the foundations of the earth, God planned for you to happen. I know personally one of the greatest days of my life is when I found out the, why God placed me on this earth. As a Christ follower, I found that my purpose in doing what God called me to do. I just remember thinking back, my. That's an amazing thing to find. That's something we all can find. It's sad that so many people roam around this life and they never find the purpose for their life. They're using the wrong worldview. Brings us to our second point. The Christian worldview best explains why our lives seem to have a purpose. It's because before God created everything, he, made, he planned on making you, and he did it with a purpose. And that also reminds us of our main idea that says, Christianity is the superior worldview as it best explains the origin and meaning of life, morals, and where we will spend eternity. So let's get into that morality question. Does right and wrong exist? And if it does, who gets to decide what's right and wrong? People will tell you morals are not absolute. So is there an absolute wrong and right, or do we just create our own morals? I say... And some people have told me I'm wrong, and I'm okay with that. If God doesn't exist, we should all be bank robbers and liars and murderers. I mean, what does it matter? Do whatever it is that you can do to get ahead in life. I mean, if I could somehow get over on one person and, and, and not really hurt anybody else to get enough money to go off and live a wonderful life, why wouldn't I do that? Isn't the evolution... In, point of view is dog eat dog survival of the fittest why not do those things but what's weird is that we seem to have this universal code for what's wrong and right think about it where in human history can we find that rape murder lying stealing are considered morally good where a people group would teach that that is a morally good thing to do now disregarded yes Used to get ahead, absolutely, but never really taught as something that's morally good. 
And what's even more strange is that all these people groups throughout the entire world, throughout human history, that never even knew each other, all seem to kind of have almost the same good virtues. Very similar. And taught them to their people and even punished them when they didn't do what they were supposed to. It's kind of odd. So maybe they could have evolved. I don't believe that's possible. And it's all because of this little word called ought. I've brought that up before, but I want to really read you what this author wrote because he gets into the heart of this word ought. Why can't morals evolve? He puts it this way. Lions never gather the pride and consider whether hunting prey could be done in a more humane fashion. They operate on their internal programming, their instincts. Now, if conditions change, they might learn their approach can change in their tactics. That would be evolution, which is true. Microevolution is just adaptation. That is a real thing. Macroevolution, a fish becoming an elephant, not a real thing. But we as humans do more than simply change our tactics. We ask the question of ourselves and of others, is this the right thing to do? There is a part of our minds that engage with this question from a completely outside perspective. Is this the way things ought to be? This capacity in humans, however, does not ever itself change. We don't evolve away from that question into a newer or better question. The question about right behavior always remains the same. If morality was simply a byproduct of evolution, we would just act. We wouldn't ask ourselves whether our current way of acting was wrong or could even be improved upon. So why do we ask is it right or wrong for us to do this? God's word perfectly answers this. Romans 2, 14 and 15 says this. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they're a law to themselves, even though they don't have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or, even accuse or even excuse them. Paul is saying this, why, who these Gentiles, who do not have the Ten Commandments, try to follow the Ten Commandments? It doesn't make any sense. Unless you realize it's because God has written his law on the heart of mankind. We, the Bible says we're created in his image. One of those things is that we're eternal beings. The second part is that we have the idea of God's attributes. His law is inscribed on our hearts. God gave humans a conscience. Now listen, there's God's sovereignty and then there's man's fallen nature. God created everything awesome and good and gave us a way we should do things, but he didn't just create robots. He could have. He could have just created these beings that just did whatever he said, were perfect, and we, we, didn't, we wouldn't have to try to choose anything. Here's the problem with that. How would true love happen? 
because I believe that love is a choice. Unfortunately, he gave us free will to some extent because then we were able to choose sin or choose him. And when the first man, Adam, chose to sin against God, it ushered sin into the world. And now all of us live in a sin-cursed world. So here's what's tough is that we know right from wrong but we can't always do right because of our sin nature. We know right, we can't always do right. And I, and I illustrate that by saying this. Have you ever done something that you knew was wrong? Absolutely, but you did it anyway. Okay? Welcome to sinful earth. That's all of us. No other worldview can explain this inner struggle that we have every day. I know what the right thing to do is, but you know what? Today, yeah, I had a bad day. I don't care what the right thing is to do. It's that inner struggle that brings us to our third point. We have morals because God has written his law on our hearts, period. Otherwise, we simply would not care. The word ought would have never been penned. We look at our fourth question, destiny. What happens when we die? That's a really tough one because there's not a lot of people that come back from the other side. But we do know a couple of things here. Evolution says you're worm food. That's it. You're done. You die. You don't know anything, no one cares other than the ones that you left behind and miss you, it's over. We believe that the soul is immaterial and eternal. I mean, think about it. I don't know if you've ever had to view a corpse, even someone that just passed away, there's just something different about them. It's, it's almost unexplainable. You look at them and you're like, I know that's them, but it just doesn't seem like it's them. That's because we believe we have an inner soul. We have a, a being that, that, that God made, that, that, that we are. It's who we are. It's not up on the screen, but in Hebrews 9.27 it says, It is appointed for men to die once, and, but after this face judgment. That, that's what, what etern our eternity is based on. We live on this earth, we die physically, but then how could we face judgment if we're just dead? Because that immaterial soul passes on. Physically, we die, but after this, face judgment. Also, we know from God's word, every knee will bow and confess that Christ is Lord. So if you put those things together, you understand that when you die, you will one day be standing before Christ in some extent, and you will be confessing that he's Lord. Now, some people won't be confessing that he's their Lord, although at that point they probably will be trying to because they'll realize that he really is God. What are we going to be judged by? Well, there's a different judgment for the saved and the unsaved, but let's just say some Joe Schmo comes off the street and we don't know. 
we could turn to the Ten Commandments, even just three of them this morning. I would ask them, hello, Mr. Joe Schmo, not that Joe. Have you ever told a lie? And if he says no, then we know he's a liar. Have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you, no matter what its value is? I, I have. I can remember one time when I was a young 20-something-year-old guy. I went into a convenience store uh, that was some like kind of, it wasn't like a major one market, but I, I remember I had something in my hand and the girl behind the counter was talking to her boyfriend on the phone. And I was in a hurry and she's just blabbering away and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get her attention and she kind of looks at me and rolls her eyes. I walked out with the thing I had in my hand. I'm in my car and I can't believe I did that, but I did it. So, Mr. Joe Schmo, have you ever taken anything, paperclip from work, downloaded something on the computer that you didn't pay for? Yes, I have. Okay, well, have you ever committed adultery? Absolutely not. Been, you know, I've, I've been faithful to my wife. Well, Jesus said if you look at lust with the, with another, at another person that's not your spouse, you commit adultery in your heart because that's where this all starts, right? That's where sin starts. Yes, I have done that. Okay, so you have to stand before God. We know that you're going to be judged after you die. And you have to stand before God and say, I am a lying, thieving, adulterer at heart. At that point, would you deserve heaven or hell? You've broken three of God's laws, and that's the only three we've looked at. Some people at that point might say, listen, I am a spectacular person. You don't know me. I am so good. I mean, I help people. You know, I try to give stuff to the poor. I try to, I, I helped an old lady across the street. You know, I, I, I'm awesome. You don't understand. Try that in a court of law. Yes, judge, you're Officers caught me with two giant duffel bags of money walking out of the bank that I just held up. But you don't understand. I'm a good guy. You can't throw me in jail. I mean, I, I had good plans with this money. I was going to help people. If the judge is a good moral judge, what should he do? He should throw you in jail. Because you just robbed a bank. He doesn't care about all the good things you did. He can only deal with what you did. And the reason why you're standing before him is because you broke the law. See, but we have this thing called the good news, which is the gospel. And Jesus took care of this sin problem. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We get to get the righteousness of Christ, which is his works, in trade for our works when we put our faith and trust in him. That is good news, amen? And some people say, how could you say that Christianity is the only true worldview over all other worldviews and religions? Isn't that arrogant? Not if it's true. 
And I got to say, the evidence for Christianity is overwhelming to me. And it's also the only religion that actually has a savior that comes to save you instead of you trying to be good enough to get to him. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not making it on my own merits. And that brings us to our fourth and final point. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have faith that our destiny is in heaven. That is the good news. And it's not because of what we did, it's because of what Jesus did for us. As Mike comes up and we start to close, I hope this morning that you saw that the Christian or biblical worldview this morning is actually the best worldview that explains the world around us. I, I hope that you've been encouraged or that I piqued your interest to find the answers to these questions. But I want you to have confidence that what you believe, if you put your faith and trust in God's word, what you believe is rational and it's logical. It's, it's, it is the lifeblood of everything we see around us and experience. And I want to remind us as we remember the points. The first one was the origin of life. Christianity sufficiently explains the origins of time, space, and matter. The beginning of all things requires a being such as the God of the Bible to happen. It's not just a, a good answer, it's the best explanation. Next we looked at the meaning of life. The Christian worldview best explains why our lives seem to have a purpose. I mean, if this all just happened by accident, for no reason, what's, what's the point? We just try to enjoy some, you know, the best we can and get ahead in life and then die and, and that's it. God has created you personally. Think about this. God has created you personally with a purpose and has given your life meaning. So ask yourself, church, why are you sitting here this morning? What, for what reason has God placed you personally on this earth? Pray and seek and you will find the answer to that question. The third one, morality. We have morals simply because God has written his law on our hearts. We know right from wrong. So church, I implore you to go out and do right. But when you don't, repent and ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. It's called the gospel. It's something that we have to live out every moment of every day. Don't just try to live the moral life. Try to live the gospel life. Preach the gospel to yourself constantly. Destiny. The uh, destiny of life, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have faith that our destiny is in heaven. Listen, if there is a creator, which there is, and he's designed all this, and he's given us a purpose and meaning, and he's given us a way we should or should not do things, it makes sense that we're going to be accountable for all that at the end. And like I said, there's two separate judgments. You're going to be either judged for your sin or you're going to be judged for what you did with the truth of the gospel 
Think of it that way. You will either, and then you'll stand to face God's judgment in your righteousness or the righteousness of Christ. And we remember our main idea as we close. Christianity is the superior worldview as it best explains the origin and meaning of life, morals, and where we'll spend eternity. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you that we can make sense of life around us because we know you. You created us and we will all and all we see. You give our lives purpose and meaning and you gave us a way to escape sin and its consequences. Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you, I pray that they would seek out someone who can help lead them to your truth. Lord, if there's someone sitting here this morning and they don't understand their purpose their, of why you put them on this planet, Lord, I pray that you would make that abundantly clear to them this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.